You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Folks, a quick word from our friends at MyBookie. As you guys know, there's no other sport like this beautiful game of hockey. From the fast tempo to the fights to the highlight reel plays, and there's no better way to make it more exciting than betting on it. By understanding the details of each team slash game, you can turn that knowledge into cash with mybookie.ag. Nobody gives you more ways to win than they do, folks. Trust me. MyBookie has the best payouts and better odds than any other sports book. I wouldn't be telling you this if they weren't the best, honestly. You can risk a little or a lot on as many games as you want. With Christmas just around the corner, there are daily gifts, free plays, free spins, and more. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. Can I get a cha-ching? That means if you deposit $100, you receive an extra $50 of free money to play with. Who doesn't want free money to play with? Deposit $200, get an extra $100. You get the, you get the gist. Just use the promo code THPN, again, promo code THPN to activate the offer and take advantage of this. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And finally, you don't have to bet on sports with mybookie.ag. You can bet on UFC, WWE, and random stuff like who you think is going to be the next president or pope. Mybookie.ag. gentlemen, welcome to episode three of Tales with TR. I'm Terry Ryan, and I'm with my producer, Mike Kiki. Mike, uh, and yeah, it's been uh, we've been off for a little bit. It's been a little bit chaotic in my life, and especially in Mike's. Uh, a, I've been uh, ba- what's the word? Hustling. I, uh, I've been looking for work, but in the meantime, I do some hockey coaching. I do some public speaking. Oh God. Um, you know, acting, whatever it might be, background roles, whatever, stunts. So I, I just, I'm, I'm always on the go. Work is sporadic, but in, in each venture that I'm involved in, it's there. So uh, I just don't have a schedule, and that's why I need to get back on track. I had some ideas after Christmas. I don't want to divulge inf- any information right now, but I have some good options. And um, hopefully, hopefully I'll stick with one of those and we can get more of these pumped out. Uh, same thing for Third Man In. Uh, obviously the exact same story there. And it's not only myself, Mike, maybe you can tell the people what happened to your studio here a couple months ago and it, it finally came to a boiling point. Yeah, I guess, uh, for anybody who, uh, listens to third man in, um, and has been listening over the last little bit, you know, that I had some problems with the house. I had a, a pipe break that caused some water damage in the basement, which is next to our studio. It's, you know, the pipe that broke is eight feet away from where me and TR are sitting right now. And so 
we had to deal with that. And it meant tearing out the whole basement that was back and forth with the insurance company for months. There was a con contractors and stuff we were dealing with. So I had the office um, and studio moved up to the dining room. Um, so just, you know, coordinating with, you know, family stuff and my wife and, and different things like that was always a little bit harder and, and working it out and, and kind of figuring out when we could do this. And then that and all the kind of madness that ensued with that coupled with, uh, Terry's schedule coupled with Chuck's schedule, it just kind of makes everything a little bit more difficult. But last week, TR was good enough. And literally the, the time we're here right now, this time last week, TR was here with me in this very room with like a sledgehammer and a mall just tearing the floor apart. Um, and we got all that done Thursday. A guy came in and poured concrete on Friday. I moved my stuff back down on Monday. And we had a guy come in last night, our good buddy, Gerald Butt, who, uh, you know, might be on one of the shows at some point. Gerald was an incredible baseball prospect yeah, drafted draft. by the Yankees and the Reds. Um, and he's back in town now and he, and he does carpentry work and stuff. And so he came in and helped out, got the laundry room back to order. And last night I did my first load of laundry in this house in like six weeks. That's incredible. I tell you what's <laughs> incredible. Well, the laundry was one thing, but uh, yeah, that, that it came together so fast. Just what I was looking at, it seemed, I know nothing about carpentry. Mm. I know nothing, but it seemed way further off than it was. And in just a few days, I won't say we're right back to normal, but we're getting there and it really, it's just tidying up now. The, uh, the space is pretty clear. Yeah. The guys from the, uh, the guys who had our stuff in storage brought it all back on, um, nice. brought it all back on Monday. And so it's just been a matter of like coordinating, around the like coordinating unpacking that stuff but also we ended up getting a dumpster in so i was able to like clear out a bunch of shit i didn't need anymore <laughs> which is kind of hopefully making the space yeah. you know so once once everything and there's baseboards on so you're not just seeing a gap in between the wall and the dry the floor and the drywall and shit like once all that's done um i think it's even going to be nicer we have a nice um we have a nice fireplace kind of feature here now which now is, did uh, you little texture so i know you found a 25 year old pepsi can in the wall did you we put did one back in there for the next people uh, you know what I got a can of Pepsi for it, specifically for that reason. Didn't get it put back because I didn't want to put it in the concrete, but me and another friend are, uh, we're going to tackle uh, framing out and, and covering drywall in around where the fireplace is right now. And so I'm going to put it in there because I figured you wouldn't necessarily, like in the laundry room wall, not as big a deal. I figure around the fireplace again is the, is the place to do it. And so we just haven't done the work to, to frame that out again. Hey, just to note, if anybody's into that stuff, I don't know what draws me to history or to folklore or whatever. Like I said, I got a folklore degree and I laugh about it. <laughs> and it is, it is kind of funny that I went in and that's what I came out with. But it, that's a lot of songs and stories and traditions and pop culture. It's storytelling, right? And that's exactly what well, you are. So, it makes so yeah, yeah, I think. You're right. So uh, um, I, get, I gravitate towards that. And, and where I'm going with that is for any locals, if you're driving on Outer Ring Road, say, from Donovan's, say, Mount Pearl, well, to wherever, you're, you're going east, okay? So let's say if I made the final, like the airport kind of turn off. So about, about a quarter of the way out, um, on my right, I guess, would be coming up to the Chem Mount or the, uh, you know, the Kelsey Drive exit kind of thing. Anyway, so there's a place you can get off the street and you can go over in the woods and mm -hmm. roam. And so that used to be, you can, right now, if you don't pay attention, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. But if you're going out there, just have a look and we get off the road. And to, if, you, if you like, and uh, if, if there's, there's an old road to Portugal Cove and to um, St. Phillips. They're, they're old roads. Well, I mean real old because they're in the woods. They're like, they're, they're filled in. There's, if you go into the woods, I mean, this stuff is 50, 60 years old, but there's old cars. There, it must have been, I don't know if it was a dump. I don't know if people 
Just I, we're throwing I, like, shit off the roads. You got to see this. If like, it's the area, like I've never been up there, but if it's the area that you're talking about, um, I think it was just straight up, just kind of like crown land that was never well, it's enforced all kinds or protected. Of, like those and kind people of bottles just used it as a dumping ground. Yeah. Must have been. But like you can go in, in within 10 minutes, you'll, you'll find something from the 40s and 50s. Yeah, and yeah. it seems a lot of stuff from then. So I'm thinking maybe the roads changed, whatever it was. But I mean, a lot of stuff, say say 65 top end maximum. Yeah. Um, and unless someone now goes down and leaves like a chip bag or something. <laughs> but it, it's a lot of, of garbage from back then. And I, I say garbage loosely, but... You know, it's not, you're not going to get any functioning antiques, I don't think. Go down and find a great old vinyl player or something. But you you will might you, you might find records like they're 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 buried and they're, and they're yeah. it's old. But it's cool for anybody that's kind of into history, and you can kind of put together once you gather. I, I say this by the way because when I was set dressing, yeah, um, for a couple of shows on Frontier, we use the woods a lot, so we yeah. had to come up with different kind of angles in the woods, whatever it might be. So as we're going through, we'd have to clear it out, for example. And so, j- just unbelievable. And then, and then I think I, I believe for Hudson and Rex too, we used some of the old cars or whatever. But anyway, it was a real find, and and f- you know, it's unlimited because you go down now, and, and there's really nobody looking. Almost, I don't want to use the word archaeologist because it's not that old, but an archaeologist or someone of the sort would probably have a field day. I'm surprised it's 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 as new and and unscathed as it is uh, anyway if you've read mark rich's book or uh or more as i, I recommend most of it i recommend not reading it i, I recommend of a you mean? Yeah, yeah yeah going on audible and getting the version that he reads because it's even funnier I'd rather, um I'd but up around i mean he grew up up that way right he grew up by yeah, k-rock yeah. and he just he talks about some stuff around those woods and exactly kind of the area you're talking about and it's really interesting because there's this whole thing with like urban archaeology where people go into not necessarily like looking for things from hundreds or thousands of years ago, looking for things from like the 20th century and, and, and or, or, you know, recent history uh, and stuff. And, and that's kind of some cool shit that you'll find around that way. I'm actually, my plan is because I got that tin of Pepsi that I kept and I've got this old pair of shears, like sheep shears that we found uh, when we were cleaning up too, that I think you probably saw on the table upstairs that my plan is like, I'm going to get like a little like shadow box and put the shit that we found when we were dealing with all this stuff up on the wall somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, and being honestly, being St. John's, what it is, you can find anything. Yeah. <laughs> anywhere. Um, it, I just mean with the history and how far back it goes and so many different uh, types of people throughout the years. So listen, where am I going to start? Uh, you know, I just got jot notes written down. <clears throat> not um, trying to justify unpreparedness, but... We didn't really know we were going to do this today. I think I have enough topics to talk about, though, and, you know, I could probably just have the word the and talk for an hour. <clears throat> and, and I'm t- you know, Senior is going to be our guest, so Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But um, first of all, there was an incident. We haven't done these in so long. Not an incident, but first of all, I'd like to say fighting, you know, in the NHL, I saw Riley Cote came out with a good stat the other day, and he's uh, it's great to follow on Instagram and everything else, and because uh, he, he appreciates concussions and everything that happened uh, with with the players and, and and happens, and you know player safety, but he also has a, a pretty, I'm not going to say objective viewpoint, but you know he tries to see things from all angles, and like he said, and like I've been saying for years, the stat came out the other day. Well, I don't know where he got it. I think he said, I uh, know he said, 4% of concussions are caused from fights. Four. That means 96% aren't. 
And to me, that's staggering. People ask, I, I know the fights, I know they might look barbaric, and, and I, I know I'm touching on this again and repeatedly, I, repeatedly I say it, but I know when this comes out, people are going to be texting me and they're going to be sending me messages, most of them positive, and, you know, it's a debate. Of course it's a debate. But I'm just saying, with as the fights go down, the conkeys go up from head hits, right? Like, and from, you know, the odd accident, but most of them are careless. Uh, some are intentional. But nearly all of them now are coming knowing that no one's going to jump in and give you a fist in the nose. And like I said, unless they make the ice bigger, unless they take hitting out, but even then you got a weapon. And, you know, people are going to do what they can to win. And I, I've often said it. There's already a penalty for fighting. People say, well, there's fighting in hockey. Well, there is, but there will always be. You can make it a 50-game suspension. If someone hits Conor McDavid the wrong way, someone's going to take it on the chin and fight him. So I don't think you're ever going to get rid of it. It's a five-minute penalty now. And, I mean, third man in and these multiple fights on one play, that's pretty much non-existent. The Leafs had their first fight the other night, 34 games into the season. So I think if there's any non-fighting, um, you know, fans, not fighting fans, not the word, um, out there, I, th I think you got your wish now, right? And I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm being completely uh, open-minded. I'm, be I'm being objective if that's what you wanted. But I, th I think I, 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 now is where I'm saying you're seeing that it's going to be in there. Tom Wilson the other night and Zidane O'Chara, right? Chara's pissed off. Wilson's, they're both going to, and, and Chara knows if he doesn't do something, and he's huge, Wilson's just, you know, Wilson's one of those players. I love him, but he's a predator, and he's going to catch you with your head down. He's not going to give a fuck, man. He's going to hit you. And that's, you know, the way to deal with that. I'm sorry, but in a physical league, in a physical game, with confines like boards and ice, people can really get hurt. You know, you want to prevent that, and you got to have policemen out there. I don't care what you say. Unless the game changes drastically, you know, you're going to have the fighting. To go on from that a little bit, so about three weeks ago, I saw Jack Eichel. I wish, I wish, I wish I had the example. It was either Minnesota or Calgary. I don't know why I know that, but in my head, it's Minnesota or Calgary. So Eichel is it's tied in the third period, and he's pissed off, and he loses his, his cool a little bit. But Eichel looks, and he looks at the guy and challenges him and drops his gloves. And this guy, in Calgary or Minnesota, I don't know. Maybe I can find this on YouTube after. Maybe someone, you know, maybe it's food for thought and someone can find it. But he didn't do it. Now, I'm saying fighting or no fighting or what you're going to have, whatever you have it. Jack Eichel is one of the best players in the NHL, making an argument for the MVP as of late. I think he's got 50 or 51 points. Like, this guy's only eight or nine behind McDavid. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a McDavid fan. I'm still not ready to say he's the best uh, until he dethrones Crosby with at least a playoff appearance and something meaningful. But, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not taking away from McDavid at all. I'm just playing devil's advocate a bit because everybody thinks he's probably the best, as do I, but th there are other players making a challenge. Do I think Eichel's the player? No. Do I think Eichel is having an MVP-type season, though, and, and uh, you know, context is different with every team? Yes, I, I certainly do. But in any case, any, any, any players out there, even I, – I don't want to promote it in junior – I know the fights are few and far between in some leagues in junior now. You can only have three all year. But if the best player on the other team and possibly the MVP of the league, who's not scary, who doesn't fight, we're not talking about Jerome McGinley. If he drops his gloves, dude, take one for your team and drop him. 
At the very least, you're getting Jack Eichel off the ice for five minutes minimum, right? I'm not saying you got to beat the shit out of him, but it was Joel but, Erickson Eck on Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, he uh, Eichel dropped the gloves. Erickson Eck didn't. Uh, Eichel got a, a double minor for it. Erickson yeah. got nothing. So, Erickson Eck, sorry. I mean, if he wants to fight, dude, like it's given you an open invitation to be a great teammate. You know, like, drop your gloves. Get him off for an extra minute. Plus, he didn't know he was getting four. Get him off. Maybe even pop him in the head. You know, it's not a bad thing. Not every punch is going to end in concussion. The guy's coming at you. It's a game of hockey. You know, your teammates will love that. We got Jack Eichel off the ice for fighting nonetheless. We're in his head. I just think, you know, there's a time and a place, and that was glaring to me. I mean, you know, he's having an MVP-type season. If, if Connor McDavid is out there, it would probably be magnified a bit more. Like when Crosby fights, look at these guys. I couldn't imagine if Connor McDavid tried to fight a guy on the ice and he came to the bench, I'd say, what the fuck are you doing? Get him off the ice. I don't care if you throw a punch. Drop your gloves and fall down with him. But get him off. God, you don't... It, it, I just find... I, I know the game's changing, but we're losing spirit. For fuck's sakes, that's just a logical, smart decision. Drop your gloves. You don't have to whack him in the head with a fucking hammer. Okay. Um, and by the way, but you know what we're going to say? As long as I'm on that, as long as I'm on that, By the way, the coaches notice. I guarantee you, you got shit after that. After that, okay, as long as we're talking MVPs, I got to say, every game I watch this guy play, there's a case to be made that he's the best. Now, I don't know how more people don't think this or say it regularly. Again, watching Conor McDavid, it, it, it reminds me of watching Gretzky or Lemieux. Like, you're so... Gretzky with Curry, I guess, when, when, because he's got Dre's title there. But, I mean, he's so quick, and his hands are, are so... He's just so fast and so powerful, and he's so quick in his hands. I mean, he just dazzles you. But if you want an all-round player, who do you think I'm going to say, Mike? That I think you could make an argument that is the MVP is the best... MVP might be the wrong word, but I don't think so. You think you'd make that argument as well with this guy... And I also think he might be the most well-rounded player in the National Hockey League. And more, it's glaring too. It's glaring, but a lot of people don't bring it up, um, including me sometimes. So we're talking, we're talking offense, defense. Uh, you know, grit, grit included in your. Yep. And, it and it's the grit that you just kind of went, yep. Um, I just think he has a bit more grit than the other top players outside of Crosby. And, and you know what I'm going to throw in there? I'll get to it after this, but Tavares, but, but I'll get into this after this. I really respect Tavares works every night. I don't think the other Leafs do. That's, it's, it, that's a package I'm going to talk about next. But who do you think I'm talking about? Honestly, after the conversation that you just had regarding... Eichel and McDavid and, and all this kind of stuff and, with, and assuming they're off the table based on all that. I mean, I, I really, and when I say it, you're going to go, Oh yeah. And the team that he's on, you're going, Jesus, you're right. And they could win the cup and he might be the MVP. And I'm telling you right now that on a two days a week, I think he's the best player in the league. I'm checking the standings just as, as yeah. I say, I want to check the standings just to kind of, See. It's amazing, but I, it, it, the only reason I'm bringing it up and I got it written down 
is because I thought about it the other day and I said, you know, I don't even say it enough. Nathan McKinnon. You're right. Nathan fucking McKinnon. What's Nathan McKinnon? 22, 23 years old. He's so goddamn powerful. He's got the one-timer on the PP. He can dangle you. He's often the first guy back. And I mean, like, and a few of the penalties he's gotten are from slashes on back checks, um, which I like. Uh, and I know he's, both have great players around them. Uh, and, and which wasn't the case. It's intriguing to me because Colorado and Edmonton both, I don't want to say sucked, but yeah, I'm going to say sucked for, for points for most of the time that these guys have been in the NHL. Well, I mean, that's good. You know, that's how you get first overall. Exactly. Is that you suck. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know. Um, but I just think there's something to be said. And the more I, like if I was a hockey fan now and I was starting my journey into fandom, I would pick Colorado as my favorite team is it not only do I like it I, I played in Colorado Springs though I love the area like no offense to I don't want to say specific cities but just fill them in in your fucking head right where would you I don't want to say not want to go but there's places first of all the Canadian cities I love them all but I'm there all the time I like a road trip so Colorado um to me is just a beautiful spot. Denver, I mean, there's so much close and the skyline and the mountains and the people and weed's legal and it's it's just like, to me, and, and I, that's why I loved Colorado Springs. Not that weed was legal, but they didn't really frown on it too much. Um, and again, I'm getting off topic. That's not the biggest <laughs> reason, but it's a, it's a nice reason. Uh, you know, Vail and Aspen and just, just everything. And, they, you know, they got a great arena. Um, Again, the people, and, you know, they got a great team. And I, I'm i just a Nathan McKinnon fan. I got to say it. There's really nothing about him that I rate less than a 9 and possibly a 10. I don't know. And maybe I'd have to start thinking outside the box. How many shots does he block? I don't know, but he seems pretty defensive to me. I watch him. He's out there. I mean, I wouldn't even want him blocking that many shots for his feet. But anyhow, I'm rambling. I just think, yeah, I think Nathan McKinnon could be the MVP of the NHL, and let's not be so quick as to crown other players. You know, uh, I think if, if just to interject, I think the yeah. only real spot where Nathan McKinnon shows any real flaws is his acting in those Tim Hortons commercials. Other than go, that, nice. the guy's pretty well-rounded. <laughs> yeah. Like, other than those commercials where he makes Sidney Crosby look charismatic. Uh, <laughs> You're right. Mike? You you got me. That's right. That that that's the one, and I'll give him. I'll give him. He's got a pass because he he went on there and he's willing to do it. I'll give him a six point five out of ten. <laughs> yeah. Although the one, did you see the one they went all over? I ah, forget. It was it was Haiti or somewhere like that. Did you see that one? Uh, not yeah, often. Oh, yeah. it was fantastic. Oh, is it the one Crosby and McKinnon? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I saw it like four months ago, but it was it was a deadly video. Now okay. I'll, I'll have to watch. We'll, it. we'll track it down. I'll find it. Um. What's something else? Um. Hats off to Eric Stahl. So, I really, this got me thinking. It's Kenya, by the way. Kenya, they went. Yeah. Oh, nice. That was quick. It was, yeah, it's the, uh, I've, I, I have seen this, and I thought it was that, but I didn't want to say because it, it seemed so far off from Haiti. But uh, it was, there's this one team in Kenya. Okay. And, and the boys, uh, and so the boys went and over, went and over. they did, it, it's a Tim Hortons thing called the away game, um, where they went over and played with the boys. Mm-hmm. Well, 
And how and that was the video on YouTube, right? Yeah, you can find so it. It's Tim Hortons that, The Away okay. Game. It was posted October last year. Yeah, check that out, any hockey fans. It's a great story. It's and incredible. I think we yeah, all yeah. need some positive stories in hockey now more than anything, and that's one. Speaking of, um, um, I posted one, and this is something that I kind of figured we'd talk about on Third Man In, but we're here, and we just said positive hockey stories. Did you see the, the uh, thing I shared out on the Third Man In ins- or Twitter yesterday about uh, in New Brunswick, a goalie got hurt, and as an emergency backup, one of the D men on the team went uh, and hopped in net. First time he ever did it, but it was either like someone playing net or they forfeit the game. Yeah. They lost 11 nothing. but in the intermissions, the goalie from the opposing team would go down and like coach the guy and give him pointers on like nice. way to play net and how to make lateral moves and different shit like that. He's another great hockey story. Really great hockey story. I posted it on the Third Man In Instagram account or um, Twitter account yesterday. It's from CBC New Brunswick. So you can find it there. Okay, Mike. Um, and, and speaking of positive hockey stories, Mike, good point. Here with Mike KK. Got my Instagram going here now. Tales with TR and. Uh, Third man in on Sunday. But I want some positive hockey stories. Okay. People need to call in because, or, or text us or f- get a hold of us on Twitter yeah. because there's been so much negativity lately. You know, I really like these positive stories. So um, that's what I'm going to suggest over the course of the next week. It's Christmas season. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Let's share a, a great hockey story. It doesn't have to be about a coach, but uh, I recommend that because they're getting a hard time lately. And uh, whatever it might be, the story you just told about the New Brunswick League. It's, it's uh, fantastic. I know I hear the girls' hockey is, is starting up again, and that should be a positive mm-hmm. story. It's, it's under the radar now. Yeah. But anybody got any ideas or has heard anything, be, be sure to get a hold of us. Um, yeah, like, uh, you know, they do stuff like the Good Deeds Cup and things like that to really kind of share out great things that, that hockey teams are doing. But you know what? We want to, yeah, focus that too. So uh, anything that you hear, you want to share along, uh, send it to TR, uh, TR, myself, or Third Man In um, on, like, Twitter or, or Facebook or wherever you want to uh, send it along from. But, yeah, we want to hear some good hockey stories. Yeah, basically, I want some positive content uh, to battle a lot of this negativity in the hockey world right now. And uh, you got any stories, uh, you know, you, you even depending, you know, may, might even be able to get you on one of the podcasts if you've got a good story. Maybe one podcast will do uh, 10 random fans. I'm just throwing that out there with a five-minute story. You know what? Here, here I'm going to pitch this right now. And, and if it's all right, we'll, we'll, we'll do this as part of Third Man In, and we'll yep. make it a part of our of year-end. So for our year-end on Third Man In, and, and uh, we're kind of announcing it now, um, send us your, your best hockey story from the last year. And that's what we're going to do as our year recap. It's been so negative. You've been hearing so much shit about coaches and different things and, and different stuff in hockey culture over the last couple months. What we want is uh, we're going to do a countdown of the top 10 best goodwill hockey stories okay. of the year. And we're going to do that as, as part of our year end for third man in. Deadly. And we'll and post we that might, and, and we'll, we get it, we'll, we'll try to get it up sometime in the next couple of weeks. And let's say if, you know, for one episode. Yep. Uh, we want to hear these people tell them. I, I'd like to have one episode where we have like 10 fans, yep. blue-collar fans that have stored them. Then it'll be blue-collar, but you no, know what I'm saying. I know what you mean. Just, uh, you know what I mean. You're, 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 you're um, an average you know, so listener. Maybe we'll do that. So, uh, so, open to ideas, Third Man In and Tales with TR. Just get a hold of me or Mike uh, at, what's your... Uh, just go through 3MI. So 3MI, 3MI. Pe- 3MI podcast. And, and we'll just get a hold of me on uh, And media. we'll reach out and we'll get you to tell your story as part of the, part of the whole thing. Fantastic. So... Um, before we move on, uh, I just want to say congrats. Eric Stahl really, this blew me away. I don't know Eric Stahl. Oddly enough, you know, a lot of these guys that are his age, I've come across at some point or another, at least watched them play a game or met them through a friend. Uh, but Eric Stahl, and they've got all those brothers, but I don't have any real connection. I have no reason to say this. 
outside of I have a huge respect for him and admiration, and I did not realize he was only the he became the 89th player in NHL history to get a thousand points the other day, and that's massive. And a few years ago, dude, he was written off, and I remember he went over to the Rangers. I can't remember his points, but I I know it was a bit of a disappointment. And he was, but I mean, he's still a scorch, like James Neal. Like you know, I, I hate to say I told you so. I think you did too. But you know, of course, the guy can fucking score. You you put him in a. I can see if you're my age, but if you're thirty or, you know, even even early thirties, you know, you can pull it off, especially if you got good players around you and a coach that's willing to give you a chance. But that's big. That's big. That's. I don't think I ever really thought about him as Hall of Fame, but fuck, isn't that the, you get a thousand points, you get, and didn't he, I mean, he got at least a cup. Was he on Canada when they won the Olympics? Uh, I believe he was. I'm going to confirm. He, he definitely he, he got a cup with the Hurricanes for sure. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of those years after that, he kind of got shit on because he was the, because they didn't make the playoffs a lot, but I mean, he was their horse though. I mean, I've often said it, you cannot, in hockey, go to the final with one player, hence McDavid. Even Crosby, people say, well, Crosby turned it around. Patrick Kane turned around the Hawks. Yeah, partly. Uh, I love Crosby, but, I mean, Malkin was there, and did those crazy years, or those, you know, uh, <clears throat> sweet spot kind of years. You had Fleury, you had Latang. Oh, my God, you keep going. You, you had Jordan Stahl at the beginning. I mean... Um, uh, he was, in fact, he did, in fact, win a gold medal. In fact, he was a uh, starting line of Team Canada alongside Jerome McGinley and Sidney Crosby at the 2010 Olympics. Right. So he was probably, like, right. I, I'd, I'd have it confirmed, but he, I think he was on the ice for the golden goal. For So for some reason, he's not, I don't want to say respected, because he just doesn't, come, he's easily forgettable. He, it's that other than one year with the Rangers when he got, uh, when he got six points in 20 games, he's generally played small market. He's played in Carolina and he's played Minnesota. You're right. So because of those two things, he's relatively easy to forget because he's kind of on the periphery of the major hockey market. No, you're right. And you know what made a good point to me years ago when I, so like I came into the Canadians. I assume me. But well, you, you make a lot of good <laughs> points. You made two here today that I didn't know. Um, but I'll tell you something. I remember, so I met Shane Corson. Let's see. And this, this is a story of Shane Corson and, and myself, how I met him. Um, I made the Canadians, like I said, when I was 19. If you look, I only played three games. Now, I was coming off a concussion, but they, but they were clear with me. Um, they were like, you know, we, we'd rather you practice here than go back to juniors the year before I had, like, I was, I had uh, 25 or something. I had a lot of fights, and we were in last place uh, this particular year. We, we would be. Uh, just getting into that, I'm, I'm rambling, but uh, let's just say, so I was 19, they'd rather have me stay, so I played three games, I was there all year, so I was sitting there having, and you know, a lot of the guys were a lot older than me, Darcy Tucker was two years older, but I played against him in the Western League, we were roommates, so Darcy and I were buddies, but he, you know, he even he was two years older, which seems like 10 years when you're 18, 19, he's 21, 22, and then after that it was like Turner Stevenson, a bunch more, uh, Scotty Thornton, their boys were 24 maybe, and you had guys like Vincent Damfus and Mark Recchi were pushing 30 or at least 30. I think Shane Corson was 31, but Shane got traded to our team. And I was sitting there having breakfast by myself. I mean, the guys were generally pretty good, but in Montreal, there's a bit of, an, a, of a language barrier as well. So it's not always easy for rookies. And they had won the cup in 93. This was just a couple years later on the first round pick. Like I said, like you speak mostly English in the room, but 
and no fault of that. Let, let's just say, I don't know, who did I talk to a lot in the minors uh, that were buddies? Stefan Robidon, Dave Morissette. Buddies, good good guys. But if they were alone, they'd be speaking French, right? And if I walked in, so then if Martin Gendron walked in and Eric Hood, uh, again, all good guys, but just the nature, they were Francophone first. So there's a lot of French going on. And when you're a kid, I guess you don't really, you don't know what they're talking about. It, it can be alienating, albeit totally unintentional. But anyway, uh, Tux was already gone up to the room or whatever. And, and Shane came over and he sat with me and he looked at me and he said, you went eighth overall, hey? I said, yeah. He goes, me too. He said, you had a lot of goals. Junior, you like to fight a bit? I said, yeah. He goes, he said, me too. He said, I, uh, I hear you're a good leader, you know, in Junior and everything. He said, well, I was, I think he came from St. Louis or Edmonton. He was just wearing the captain. Anyway, he said, so am I. So he said, I'll, um, you know, you stick by me. And that was in 96, 97 hockey season. So I guess probably would have been towards the beginning of the year because at Christmas time, I remember going to his place, and that's where Darcy Tucker met Shannon, his sister, and they got married and are still married with three great kids. Um, but I remember all that, like, real. Re- it, it, it's just so, it stands out in my head because I was coming from junior, and, and you know, my junior was spent in Quinnell, Northern BC, and then Tri-Cities, not really a hockey market, three hours away from Seattle and Portland almost, and an hour south of Spokane. I want to say in the middle of nowhere, but because I love the area. It's just, it's not a sports hotbed. Um, actually, I shouldn't say that. It's not a pro sports hotbed. You look up my even my high school, Kamaik, and I went to school with Scott Pollard, who ended up being an NBA star. He was in grade 12 when I was. Good guy, too, came to some of the games. But like in, in Tri-Cities, you know, the basketball team would sell out the high school football team and get 8,000 people, Kamaik and Braves. It was also a Kennewick team. And uh, we would get, I don't know, four or 5,000, which is good for junior, but other sports outsold us. But I'm getting off topic. But it was 96, 97 anyway. And so Shane, and, and he, he, you know, he said, You're, I'm, you, you stick by me. And honestly, the last time I spoke to Shane was three days ago. Uh, now we talk all the time. I see him a couple times a year. We usually have a bite to eat and a beer at least. And, uh, you know, that friendship remained my whole life. Which, which is just great, and that's one of the things you take out of hockey. And you won't see that in games played or stats or hits thrown or punches taken or goals scored, whatever. Um, but it lasts, man, and uh, I'm happy for that. That's one of the things I take out of the game. But where I was going with that is one of the first things Shane said to me because all I knew, I didn't know stats at the time, unless you, unless you read the hockey news every week. You know, it's not like you bring him up on your phone. So I knew that Shane Corson was one of the best players that Canada had to offer. I knew he played on the Oilers. I knew he played on the Canadians. I knew he had a lot of points. I, you know, you told me 100, I wouldn't have been surprised. But Shane said to me, he goes, you know, I haven't had a point a game yet in my career. And he was like 31. I was like, what? He might have had it once, but he really hovered around it. He was, I, I couldn't believe it. He said, in that same era, there was a guy in Hartford, Jeff Sanderson. I think he, yeah, Hartford and then Carolina, obviously. And he had 50 goals one year. And Sanderson was like an unbelievable player. But you won't even remember him. Like a lot of people are like, who the fuck's Jeff Sanderson? And Corson said it. And he's like, you know, like he's one of the best players. But he said he's playing down there and you won't even know of him. But he said like guys like me are up here. Now Shane made the Olympic team in 97. I'm not taking away from Shane Corson. A much better two-way player in my opinion. But Sanderson was a fucking snipe show. Corson did have 75 points in 76 games in 90. Yeah, but it's still, you know, so that's almost that's, a point of game. That's the closest he came. 
Yeah, okay, that's the closest. I knew I knew he 70 odd. I knew he was close. And he was 55 with the Habs in 96, 97 or 97, that's, 98. That's when he made Nagano's, yeah. right? That's when he made that Olympic team. Yeah. But if you look at Shane Corson's numbers, now he's a total legend. You're, you're they're they're lower than you think they are. Like at least they were for me and it was in the middle of it all. I thought Shane Cor- again though, it was it wasn't all about points, and it remains not. I think he's a great player. Would I pick him for my team in that era ahead of Jeff Sanderson? Yes, I would. But Sanderson deserved a little bit of hype, though. He got 50 goals for the Hartford Whalers, and no one even really knows about it. I mean, they, they do, but, you know, I, I, fucking millions of people know about it. What am I saying? But ask someone in their 20s, even 30s today, and everybody will still know Shane Corson most well, uh, a lot of people won't know Jeff Sanderson, right? And, and it, that's a, along the same lines of Eric Stahl, right? Like more people in Canada would know, oh, God, any number of the, you know, let, let's say Max Domi, right? Of course, right? He's on the, and he's a good player. He's a great player, but actually it's a bad example because he is a great player. No, but, but Domi is somebody who, if his last name wasn't Domi, until he got to the Habs, nobody would have known or cared who he yeah, was. Yeah, I guess. Because he, he carries the Domi weight, and we watched him in World Junior, and he's Ty's son. Because of that, yeah, right? Yeah. But, but if he had just but been playing, are... if he had just been in, in Arizona the whole time, um, until he got to the Habs, like, nobody, it would have been, eh, they got don't like this kid from Arizona. That would have been yeah. the way Habs fans would have reacted instead of, we got Max Domi. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. So, you know, more people, I guess, at least in Canada, and that's where we're, you know, the our hockey fandom exists right now. You know, yeah, along those years, who's the kid for the Leafs that shot right? Jordan Lu- or Lupel, Joffrey Lupel, right? But more, more people around here, and at least in my part of the country, I think we, we, I think we could say this for Canada, a lot more people would be up to date on Joe. A few years ago, as of, he was just the first person that popped into my mind. I know he's been out now and injured. He's probably not coming back. But Joffrey Lupa was more of a household name than Eric Stahl. And Stahl was down there ripping it, right? Like, he was still, everybody knew Stahl. But there's players like that now. Huberto on Florida. Huberto, I watch him. The odd time now, you get the Florida games on TV. And I love watching because there's like 5,000 people there. You, you, you just wait. It's just you're like watching a pickup game. It's, it's amazing to watch an NHL game. 5,000 could be light or, or could be much. Some games, it seems like there's 2,000. Um, but Huberto is a fucking, what a rock star player. I love watching him. If he was up here, fuck, everybody would know who he is, but we know, what's his name? Say, uh, Delorier, you know, uh, some of the kids, Houdin, uh, on the Habs, uh, Charlie Houdin, is it? You know, more people know him than, or, or, or follow him than this Huberto who's down ripping it, but. I know it's geography, I get all that, and it's tough to keep a hold or keep track of 31 goddamn teams. I, I mean, it's hard enough. I go back, man, and I, I, I just tune into YouTube, and I go through the highlights. I try to go through them once and to do homework for this, but I mean, it takes hours, right? It takes hours, because the highlights will show you one thing, and then there's so many things broken down. There's a camera everywhere now, and every game now, there seems to be... The, an argument about a goal. So, you know, you're, as you're watching the highlights, four minutes of it is dedicated to, like, was this in or was that in? Shit that I don't even really care about, I guess. Or it's not completely topical, but um, I just find it hard to, to, to keep up. So sometimes uh, 
sometimes for good reason the Canadian players, given that they're on TV all the time, are more popular. But I really do recommend to people to try to absorb as much as you can. Uh, I, I love now that we see some Drew Doughty. Fuck, for years he didn't come on TV that much, and now you're seeing, especially with Edmonton games. Well, By the uh, way, Calgary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Calgary, that ri- rivalry with him yes. with the Chuck is... It's fantastic. Just great, yeah. Well, for years, I didn't see it, only yeah. when they were in the playoffs. Yeah. Right? I, I say Dowdy because he's my favorite to watch on that team, but there's much more. Dustin Brown, I forgot he was in the league. <laughs> right? I forgot he's in the league, and you watch him, he's still out hitting. He's going to... It's almost like watching these players from another planet. Or, And I'm saying that now because you're just seeing more of it on Sportsnet. I don't know how the programming goes, but I just see more games out west. And, it, you know... By the way, if, if we had all these channels, if we had all these channels when Gretzky and Lemieux were playing, I'd want to watch every game. Like, people don't realize we only saw Gretzky like once every few games on TV, right? And it's Saturday night, especially. If there was a Tuesday game, you might not see it, especially if he was playing Hartford. Um, when I say might not, you usually wouldn't see it. I recommend to Sportsnet, though, you please put every Edmonton game on TV. <laughs> I know they're doing a decent job of it, but. We need to, everybody needs to see this. Well, right? what's what's really cool about the way that works now is that where there's Sportsnet, there's like five TSNs, there's like five Sportsnets, and what's really kind of works out is that I'd say two thirds or three quarters of the league, for for the most part, play Eastern Eastern Standard Time games, yeah. and it's only that last quarter or last third that play Pacific Time games and get those late games. So because of that, we are seeing more. Uh, and, um, you know, we're seeing more from Winnipeg, and there's four uh, Canadian teams kind of in that side. Yeah, I love so it. you're seeing more Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver games, and other teams that they're playing, especially divisional rivals. So because of that, we are getting to see a little bit more LA now. We're getting to see, you know, kind of Colorado, Colorado. That's why any, I'm loving McKinnon, man, because I'm seeing him play more. Yeah, because because I mean, basically, there's there's the West Coast game on every night. Yeah, you know, so you're kind of getting to, to see and enjoy that, right? So it, it is kind of cool it. that we reach that stage with, and then you know, there's highlights every morning. There's just like a loop of, of like nine hours of. I will say this though, if you don't mind, again, I, this is tales with Tr. I'm not supposed to be talking this much, but uh, <laughs> but guys, if there's five if there's five TSNs and there's like five sports or a sports nets, can you can you stagger? Your your highlight um, shows in the morning. So instead of like five yeah. sports centers starting at the top of the hour, can you do them every fifteen minutes so that if any like I'm Good not point. seeing four channels with the same program, I can you stagger out the time a little bit. So if I turn it on at quarter after nine in the morning, I'm getting I can start the top of uh, of uh, Sportsnet Central. You know, like, yeah, I, yeah, you know, can, can we can we make that work with all the channels that we have that we kind of time stagger those, please? Thank yeah, you. Yeah, exactly, because there's enough of them. Good, another good point, Michael. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all right. Uh, okay, so we're soon going to bring on the guest. I want to tell you a story, first of all, though. This happened the other day. I don't know what people think, man. I don't even know why I'm saying this, but it's there. So I'm new into an apartment. I, you know, how do I even, you know, it, it happens, so how do I address it? Danielle and I are on great terms. She's awesome. Um... Anyway, you know, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's amicable. I, I don't know. You know, a lot of people have been asking me, so I, I, I think she's great. She's a great mother. We're all unbelievable friends, uh, always will be. But anyway, so I moved into this apartment, not far, 
Not fur. And again, I have the utmost respect for him. I don't really want to get that personal on here, but you know, people kind of know. And um, yeah, so it's it's part of the story. So uh, that that's it. And uh, but again, I'm, I'm not going to go any any deeper. She's great, and uh, support her fully. And we still life hasn't really changed much. But anyway, um, I had. A guy, so where I am is not far. I, I'm, I'm in between my parents and Danielle and Penny Lane. And uh, so anyway, um, but I guess a lot of people, it, it's Mount Pearl, so people found out that I moved into the area, which is generally sometimes, generally a good thing. I shouldn't say sometimes. So a couple of people knocked on the door and said, hey, can you take us down to your dad and, and see the famous basement or whatever? And sure, man, sure. I'll meet me here on Friday and I'll walk down with you. Uh, and that's happened a couple times. Other t- one neighbor brought over uh, some lasagna. I was like, yeah, well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. So this one guy shows up a few days ago with his son in tow and says, gives me the story. Said, you know, this is, I, I, I'm not going to say real names here. Let's say Tyler. This is Tyler. Tyler plays All-Star, but it costs a lot with the gear. And I do agree, man, that's, it costs a ton. Uh, and, and, you know, Aaron's chance to play uh, amongst other, uh, my buddy Aaron Asham, his foundation, amongst other ones. I, I try to do what I can to get kids. I, I think hockey's becoming elitist. It's really expensive to, to play. So I try to do what I can to help out kids. So I, maybe this guy knew that. But he showed up. He said, so we're raising money. You know, Tyler's needs to go on this trip, that trip. And, you know, we're about $3,000 short. I said, okay, geez. So I went and got my wallet, and I brought him out a $20 bill. Uh, and I had a Christmas card there, too. Actually, I was making Christmas cards. So I, I said, you know what? Here. I signed one. And I, the books were on their way. I said, you know, I'll bring you a book, too. You know, you'll probably uh, enjoy that for the man. The kid's probably not going to enjoy it. He's nine years old, but I freak him out. But anyway, the, the, the man was a hockey fan. He knew my stats better than I did. So I was like, yeah, I'll get you a book. I said, here's 20 bucks. So he stood there, and he said, I, I'm not sure if you heard me. He said, you know, we, we need 3,000. Now, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not kidding you one bit, Mike. He's looked at me, and I said, I just kind of squinted. I said, okay, and that's 20 towards 3,000. He said, oh, I didn't. He said, I just figured you'd want to give back, having played in the NHL and being from Mount Pearl. Now I got him standing in my small apartment. I've got a fucking new kitten running around, knocking down shit. That's another story. Stressed out of my mind. Again, the split is not easy, and you're trying to deal with that. And, I mean, the fucking depression and anxiety that comes with that, you know, and that's natural, I think. I can get into it. But, I mean, I told you a couple weeks ago I didn't sleep for four fucking days. So the last thing I needed was to feel like a bit of a fucking tool in front of this guy's son. That's selfish, though. I shouldn't even, it wasn't all about me, but, but this guy in front of his son, so his son's memory is going to be looking at this NHL player, and he thinks every NHL player play one game, you got millions of dollars. He doesn't know I just lost my job. He doesn't know I'm getting through a split. He doesn't know I'm check to check. He doesn't have any idea of that shit. All he knows is that Terry Ryan Played in the first-rounder Terry Ryan. First-rounder Terry Ryan, who we saw in Spittin' Chicklets, who has third man in, and who we saw at the comedy show, right, and at the hockey schools. We, you know, all I remember is that Terry won't help me. Now, I gave that guy 20 bucks. I don't have an income right now. You know, so I, I guess I could have given him 
um, I, I don't know, 50? Like, I, I couldn't go much more than that. Like, and I, I felt kind of bad. And I, I, I was trying to justify it. And this guy stood there. He said, well, just anything else would really help. Anything. And now I'm not exaggerating. He's like, looking at me. But, he's in the doorway. Anything else. And I just given him a 20. It's like, bud, like, there's a bag of fucking cans in the corner that I was going to bring to the recycling yeah. depot if you want those, right? Yes. Like, come on, man. Like, I'm not kidding. I have about 10 bags of cans out there yeah, like, in the shed there, and I take them back, and I'm going to get, like, 80 bucks, and yeah. that's going towards one of Penny Lane's Christmas presents. Like, I'm not shitting you. But this guy came into my house. I don't know him from Adam. Yeah. And was unhappy that I gave 20 and wanted $3,000 from me for his son, again, who I've never met. And... I will look like the asshole there. Yeah. I guarantee it. When he left, I'm going to look like a dick. Yeah. I guarantee you he's telling this story to somebody at the same time going like, Guaranteeing you. Fucking Terry Ryan yeah. would only give me $20. Yeah. And like, you know, and just getting on with that kind of shit. Didn't like, mention. Said his son really looks up to me. I would have offered him free help. Yeah. Okay, really? He needs this? Yeah. Okay. Get the ice. Yeah. You don't have to pay me shit. Yeah. I'll find me ice. Find me outdoors if you want. Yeah. Whatever it is, find it. And I, yeah. and people know that I do that. As soon as the pond freezes over, yeah. give me a call. You know, like, wouldn't, you wouldn't give him 15 in a row and, and be out there for 20. Mm. But I would, I would go for two or three hours with a kid and help him out and, and try to, you know, whatever he wanted. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times they just want to have a relationship with, uh, relationship's the wrong word, but kind of, you know, the, he'd want to, you know, a friendship, you know, I could, even some of the kids I, I coach, you know, They'll email me once every few weeks. You know, what do I need to work on? Well, some of them need to work on every goddamn tool <laughs> in the shed because they're not going to be. But, you know, they want to have a bit of a conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. All good. I get it. I'll be there for them. We're in Mount Pearl. Drop down. I'll show you my fight tape. Or I'll show you some goals or whatever you want to do. Drop down to my dad's basement. Mm. But I don't have $3,000 for you, dude. And I think that's ignorant to ask me. I, I, I would agree with that sentiment. I think that that's... I mean, you just don't put somebody on the spot like that's the other thing, in right? Like, uh, like you know, not even in front of the kid. Like, I mean, the old, like the, the thing that saved him in this scenario is that his kid was there. Because if he wasn't, I feel like you might have told him to go fuck himself. Probably. Yeah. You know, like if, <laughs> better, better be, yeah. you know, if the kid was there, it's like, but like you're it, like you know, like you're in my small apartment. Did yeah. you know? With, you know, with the fucking cans in the coil, like all this kind. Like, do you feel like I've got fucking three grand in my pocket did, and, ready to give didn't you? Even like. Just went straight into a turn. And I'll tell you why we're here. Well, we're here and we're up and playing hockey, right? And he got right into it. I said, oh, geez, okay. Like, I figured he was, they were hosting a tournament. He wanted me to drop the puck or something. Yeah. That's where I thought it was going. Yeah. But no, it took a quick right turn. Fuck. Now, it's 11. Or how long? We've been at this about 50 minutes. 48.35. Okay. Uh, so seniors coming on the last thing I'm going to say the last thing mm -hmm. uh, and when this gets out so I ordered a bunch of books and people really supported me that's how I'm actually getting by lately I shouldn't say geez you know I, I'm okay I, you know the, these little ventures I go on like the public speaking stuff they pay me a bit I just need a consistent wage so I can plan things but mm. I don't want to seem like you know, no, it's like, it's anybody. If you're, if yeah. you're, if you're, you're at a stage where you're freelancing with a bunch of different stuff, that's all. it's cash flow. It's just so, cash flow is always an issue exactly. when you freelance. So I put out a thing on Instagram and it's like, you know, I got these books and it's better because if you buy a book from me, well, if you buy my book at chapters, say, or Amazon even worse, but at chapters, the book's 19.99, and 
I get 50 cents. Again, I didn't have a ghostwriter. I did it all myself. Um, and I'm not knocking ECW either. They gave me a standard contract. All good. I'm just saying there's not much money in the book business if you go about it that way. So what I do, if I buy at least 50 books, they give me a deal. It used to be 100, now it's 50. If, if I buy at least 50 books, they'll give me a deal for 10 bucks plus tax, I think. So it's about 11 bucks a book. So then I, re- I sign them and resell them for 20 and ship them out or whatever it might be. So at least I make nine bucks a book that way. So now in St. John's, like today after this, I've got like seven or eight to drop off. So a lot of people are like, man, you're nuts driving them all over town. I'll tell you what I do. I'll tell you what I do and why I like doing it. The gas, I'm burning. One book will take care of that for, for the day, right? It's 20 bucks a book. So, and I don't mind, and I get to A, I get, like, you know as well as I do, it's hard to keep up on all this hockey stuff, right? It's, there's so much happening. And nowadays, too, like, contracts are such a big part of it and paying attention to that. I don't remember ev- ever, ever in the 80s, and not really the 90s, outside of, like, Dag, Fedorov, Gretzky when he first signed for $3 million at the end of the 80s. There were contracts I remember, but it certainly wasn't as big. Like, pretty much every single day now you hear about salary cap. Right, but you also hear about it's, analytics. Yeah, and when I was else. when I was a kid, I didn't know how much no. money, like you know, my favorite players were making season in, season out. I just wasn't much you cared about. No, so I listened to. Oh God, I try to listen to. Um, I, I, I always try to get my highlights from Kenny Reed, um, and he, every once in a while he makes an appearance on a Jeff Merrick show or wherever it might be. It used to be prime time. I don't think that's happening anymore. It was for Jeff Blair for a while, but Jeff Blair's got a great program on the go. 31 Thoughts, uh, and then you got Spitting Chicklets, and you got Overdrive on TSN. So I try to listen to these in podcast form, which is great. So what I do, I just buy two or three each day, and I love that it gets darker. I, I, don't, I fucking hate that we live in a place that it gets dark at 3 o'clock in the day, but I love listening to the radio in the dark, driving around. So I'll pick like a couple of parts of town. Today I got five to drop off, so that should take me an hour or two. And I'll listen and I'll gather information. And if I get done early, what I love doing, there's, there's a, a, an app and there's a website called Old Time Radio. I highly recommend this. I know most of you aren't going to know what I'm talking about, okay? But it is fantastic. So I'm going to go there now. Old Time Radio. So it's like there was a time, there was a time When the technology, you know, when the first cameras were like turn of the century in 1900. So then, you know, things, first radio was shortly after. So you're getting radio. By the 20s, 30s, especially 40s, there's radio, but there's no TV. So, so it's just in this, in all of human history, there's this little time from the 20s to the 40s that there's no TV. And even in the 50s, not everybody had a TV, so the radio shows were still popular. But so, for example, this one is called the Black Museum, and that's Alfred Hitchcock. Those are great. Then you've got, um, oh, what's that? No, I was just asking if you want to plug it in. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay, 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 cool. Actually, okay. So, and then there's these ones called Sam Shade. Um, and if you go, you, there, there's, see this info? So this yeah. is the Black Museum. If I press info, Mike, you'll see Orson Welles. Sorry, Orson yeah. Welles, not Alfred Tales of the Black Museum. So this was a big show in 1946, right? For five years, exactly. So, and these are radio shows like 
like TV shows. Like there's they're they're considered Cereals, actors, yeah, right? Yeah. And people would gather around. Like yeah. we we in our version, you know, people gather around listening to Foster Hewitt for Hockey Night in Canada. But people yeah. also gathered around uh, for you know for other kind of shows. My favorite. I'm looking here. My favorite the is Shadow Knows. Yeah, the Shadow was Orson Welles. It was it was a great the Shadow. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a, and the, Sam Shade is another detective. Sammy Shade. Yeah, they're unbelievable. They're like Sam Shade isn't, that, Brown. isn't Sh- Sam Shade the the character Bogart plays in like the Maltese Falcon? It's a, it's a carryover. It's it the is. same character. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're, no, great, great point. Yeah. So Sam Shade is from the Maltese Falcon, and yeah. the stories are just like that. He's a detective, and he'll come in, and you really got to listen, which is something that 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 kind of form of art is. You know you. I'm not going to say you're always going to have to listen. I'm not going to say it's taking a back seat, but back then it's almost like I hear when someone's blind and I've talked to a lot of blind people, you ever listen to radio, you, you listen to an interview with Stevie wonder or Ray Charles and people that have actually had to listen then and gone like, you know, my, my sense of sound yeah. really, really uh, was impacted yeah. when I lost my sight. It's the same sort of thing. You're listening to this. If you, you so you can't be driving along and go through the Tim Hortons drive-through and have it on and go because mm-hmm. you, you'll miss it. Mm-hmm. Even a podcast, you can kind of do that, and they're going to still be on the. But this is great. I highly recommend it. Old time radio. Now I can't. Okay, here. See, like genres. So adventure, comedy, adventures by Frank Race, Harry Lyme, Rocky, Ricky Jordan. Um, so Mike, the Superman. Look yeah. at this. So the original Superman, 1939, and it's right here, right? Hold on. The Blank Company, makers of that extra special Blankarine, food of Superman, presents. Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! So, this is the first Superman ever, 1939, episode one, season one. That's so cool. That's where that came from. That's so great. Now, isn't that cool? That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is what I do, dude. I I drive around, and I listen to these, and it's the closest thing to a time-traveling machine. Because, (laughs) you know, it's, it's one thing even to listen to Frank Sinatra. Or the Beatles and your, but like it's 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 almost common. Like a lot of people are doing that today. When I'm listening to the first episode of Superman, or Sam Shade, like Random, or the Black Museum with Orson Welles from 1940s, I gotta think I'm one of a small amount of people on the planet that's listening to that episode. It, it, you know, and, and I'm thinking it's less than a hundred. Um, yeah, but probably. You I know, mean, if you really think about, it, I mean, I, I'm looking old time radio. To, if you look at the followers and everything, I mean, people are interested, but worldwide, I mean, you know, like 3,000. But, I mean, the other so. thing, too, is, like, if you're going that many people over worldwide or whatever it is, um, if they've got that much content. It's not like everybody's going in and listening to the same thing all the time, right? If, yeah, if it's well, a, they if got it's, tons. If yeah, it's an archive you. of old-time radio, it's, it's going to be a little bit of anything. All yeah, these yeah. shows have everything. And I think it's huge. It's at our fingertips, and a lot of people don't even realize about it or want to use it. But I'm telling you, for example, that episode of Superman... Um, you will just be blown away. And remember, like, even, you know, as a kid in 1980, I'm three years old, Christopher Reeve is coming on the screen as Superman. You know, the first thing is a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. And then you get where it came from. You're like, oh, 50 years before, 40 years before that, uh, you know, in the 30s, that's where it came from. And you can listen to so, and there's so many things. Uh, you know, Lex Luthor makes an appearance. And uh, not only that, the culture has changed so much, too, uh, and, you know, things that people are just talking about back then, 
I don't know. I, I'm not talking race or anything, but that does come in there. But, um, you know, it, it's it's historical and it's culture changing. But, you know, how, um, you know, the structuralist 50s even. This is this is 15, 20 years before that where, you know, the women would often stay at home and cook and clean. And, and you know, we know that's not the case now. But back then it was kind of structured that way. And, you know, the men might go and work in the plant and, you know, come back and, like, be, leave it to beaver kind of stuff. You know, th- th- those are cultural differences that, and, and I'm not saying this in a bad point of view. I mean, things change, and that's what evolution is. And you know, hopefully, you're evolving towards a better good for everybody. But you know that 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 time and package is like time travel. I'm telling you. And then you think about it. You know, like because what often happens is like when I'm listening to one of these, I'll think, you know, like this is my, my nan and pop definitely heard this. Oh yeah, yeah. So there was a point. Then I, as I'm sitting here and, and having my beer, I shouldn't say that because I'm driving listening to most of these, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I often do it at home too. I'll turn on all the lights. I got a party rocker and I'll just put on the blue ones and I'll sit in the dark. It, it, it's usually in the bathtub and uh, listen. And I, it, I feel a common, a common ground with a lot of people that came before me that a lot of people don't explore. It's absolutely beautiful. I highly recommend it. Uh, do yourselves a favor. I, I'll go down to Middle Cove here. I, I often go down to Middle Cove. Sit. I don't even tell anybody this, but I'll sit there and, and smoke a joint maybe and listen to an episode or two of Superman or Sam Shade or whatever it might be. So anyway, a bit of a ramble, but uh, if even one of you, if even one of you that listens to this goes to Old Time Radio and gives it a shot, uh, it was worth it. It was worth the 10-minute conversation. Stay tuned. Soon to come, Terry Ryan Sr., our third guest, Tales with TR. Right back at you. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. The former Grand Falls Cataract, Hamilton Red Wing, Minnesota Fighting Saints, Sun Coast Sun, Winston-Salem Polar Twin, Lansing Lancer, Muskegon Mohawk, Kalamazoo Wing, Stephenville Jet, Gander Flyer, Mount Pearl Blade, St. John's Cap. Ladies and gentlemen, the super swinging 70 Saint. He's a dual sport dynamo, a Park Avenue pepper pot, the world hockey wizard, the short-handed shimmy shark, shifty shortstop, Grand Falls go-getter, the Mount Pearl Motormouth, once known as Flying Ryan, the scintillating speedster. He was the king of the Hamilton Red Wings. He played pro with a huge afro. At five foot nine, some would say the better Ryan. Ladies and gentlemen, dad to me, senior to, to you, legend to all, welcome to the podcast, Terry Ryan Sr. Senior, how the hell are you doing? Not bad, but I never had a big afro, though. I got to tell you that. What's that? I never had a big afro. You had an afro when you played. You played with no bucket. You had an afro and a lot I of those. Didn't, but it wasn't, it wasn't an it wasn't an afro. It was uh, you oh, know, I, had long, I had long hair. But anyway, what's the definition of afro? I, I people Google Google Terry Ryan Senior <laughs> and tell yeah. me what you think. Yeah. Okay. Well, Senior, here we are. Yeah. Now, for those that don't know, and I'm not gonna, we don't want to go through the story again of your career because. This is Tales with TR. Uh, Mike's here with me, Dad. You know Mike. Um, yes. But, you know, it's a, it's a break from third man in. But a lot of people, there's, you know, I'm thinking, I'm guessing 70 or 80% of the same listeners. Yes. So a lot of people have already heard this story. So I'm just going to go with some specific questions. It was last minute. And if I know one guess that I can get last minute, 
and I have lots to say. That's it. It's Terry Ryan Sr. So first of all, I guess people want to know how you're doing and how you've been keeping in the winter. Well, I've been doing well. I, I have a routine. Pretty laid back guy. Get up in the morning probably around 10, have yeah. a coffee, go for a walk for an hour and a half, uh, listen to my music, watch my DVDs, watch TV. I'm pretty laid back. You go for those walks. Um, and, you know, as people know, so Senior's real into music. And he was listening to his disc or his uh, discs. And, you know, we, we've got, I don't know, we, we, I talk about albums, but we probably have, I don't know, a couple of thousand tapes down there. Like oh, tapes and ta- God. At All least. my music, easily, easily. But you don't, and you don't um, get, you know, you, you don't throw much of it away. So I, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't no. see us ever listening to the tapes again, but they're there. Well, you put so much time into it, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly it. And the, there are songs on there that um, have been, a lot of what I got uh, haven't been reissued. A lot of the, uh, you know, you can buy a lot of music on CDs, whether it's the Beatles or they're, you know, the main attractions have been reissued on CD. Well, a lot of the stuff I got, like, weren't didn't sell enough, I guess, to be reissued, so it's stuck in time. It's just there. And... Uh, It'd be a sin to me, at least, while I'm above ground to throw out. I, I take enjoyment that it was, it took me, you know, hours and hours and hours to tape. And I've still got throwbacks like old cassettes and whatever that I can actually play them on. So I'm still listening to them, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I believe it. Uh, and a lot of the fans ask me, you know, Senior doesn't have social media, right? So I'm getting no. all, I'm absorbing all his yes. messages. Yes, all, all my hits, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, so, yeah, qu- quite a few people at this point, yes. especially after the uh, Chicklets appearances this summer. Yes. So I guess tell people, wh- where did the affinity to music come in? I mean, you grew up in Grand Falls. I don't um, really, I, you know, your brother Daryl, he's into it, but I, you know, Grand Falls, where you grew up, going back, like I don't remember Nan ever really, getting into the breaking out Beatles or like, how did you get into it? No, but it was, uh, it was Grand Falls has a rich, very rich, uh, musical tradition. When I was growing up in Newfoundland, believe it or not, Grant, the be- three best, uh, uh, well, St. John said the five sins, they were really good. They came in and played in our school and the b- back door, but the other three top groups, the growing concern, and the half and half plus one, and the Condors, believe it or not, would come to St. John's, and wherever they played would pack it. At that time, there was no mile one, so they played probably at the dining hall or in the gym in the Memorial, and it was sold out. We had among the best music uh, in Newfoundland at the time, and my uncle, Oliver, uh, was a musician and played in a band. And I think from there it filtered down. Mom could really sing, and she was always singing, doing her housework, and while I was a little fella, and the music was always on. And I think that's where it grew from. It just, and it was probably innate, you know, and uh, and I just always loved it. And then when I became, when I went to school, I was the soloist always the main soloist in the choir and 
in the plays and whatever, and it just wow. developed. Then it went from there when I went away, of course, at 16 when I went to Hamilton. I could actually see these groups live, and that made it, then it really cut fire. And you're one to collect, so a lot of people, um, I see our basement. Yeah. You it's know, impressive. It's really impressive. And, yeah, you know, so vinyl went out, vinyl's coming back now. Yeah. It has been for it, but I mean, it, it's nowhere near what it, what it used to be the only, well, not the only, but certainly the, the form, the medium that most people chose to listen on. So most of those albums that you have, which, you know, number in the thousands, most of them were collected in the 70s. So were you going on road trips and just buying like, 10 and well, 20 records I per guess, road trip? Uh, maybe, because I, when I, uh, yeah, because I never had much money growing up, because, you know, I don't come from a uh, money background at all, but once I turned pro, and you had a few dollars, and when I was in Minnesota, I know that certainly I bought, and wherever, wherever I'd go, whether it was in New York or L.A., or even in the minors, you might be going to Milwaukee or Toledo or Dayton or Columbus, and I'd always go to the music shop, so I'd gravitate there. And undoubtedly, I would pick up a bunch, yes. And undoubtedly, at the end of the year, I'd have a lot. I'd have that buy suitcases for my albums and be careful that they you know, hope that they didn't break, and I'd be bringing them home and collecting them and buying them here and whatever. And... You know, you know, when you're a collector, you don't really realize you're just in it because of your love and passion for what you're doing, a collector of anything. And before you know it, voila, you look around and, wow, it's a pretty impressive collection. And, and basically, that's how it grew. And, and to this day, as you well know, I'm still collecting. I'm still heavily into the DVDs now because I love watching it. But CDs and uh, not so much in the albums anymore because a lot of the albums that are coming out are basically already have them. The reissues of Springsteen or Black Sabbath or whatever, but I well, got the original. I got them, yeah. I, I take, so I have a vinyl player, right? So I, I'm, I need to be, whenever I give you new music, say the Sheepdogs, but I, I'm going out and buying it on vinyl. Like all that the, say the black keys I brought down last week. Yeah. I've got that on vinyl. I just don't yes. bring it down in your collection, but I, I no. give it to you through Spotify or, or actually, if you can believe this for the listeners, the senior still has an iPod, but he, he yes. likes it as opposed to like the Discman stuff. So the iPod, I which do. can still be updated here and there, I, I, you know, it, it, we're, we've probably seen the last of updating it, but I, I'd say senior, we, we must have, well, we got our whole collection on there. I, well, I went I'm out of my a, way and put it. On my iPod, I have yeah. 15,000. 15, 15,000, yeah, that's what I thought. Not bad. Um, no, but it's just, it's it's odd because even the, where the vinyl came back, I don't ever see iPods coming back. No, just because you can know, do that all now on your phone. When they go, yeah. they go, I guess. But I, I put, them, I put my headphones on, I walk to, the, to it, and I just love it. That's it. Um, and so, Senior, here's one for you. I was talking earlier. Who's your favorite player in the game today? My favorite hockey player? Yeah, who would you think? I guess... Well, I, I love, I love uh, Crosby, uh, and it's tough not to love McDavid on pure talent alone. But 
the person no. that I love and he's underachieved, not in terms of cups, but in terms of, I think, performance and point totals. And I think he's the most beautiful person. He reminds me so much of Beliveau and Perot, whom I did play against, uh, is Evgeny Malkin. I wow. think he's, when Malkin is at his best, but he doesn't show up every night. And you don't know, he's from shift to shift. But boy, oh boy, when he wants to dangle 6-4, he can dangle. Yeah. But it's like, I think he learned so much from Crosby. He's got three cups, and it's him and without him or Crosby, without both of them would have to be playing, I think, or else they don't win them. But Crosby goes every single shift every night, and 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 Gino just takes time off. He just, he, if he doesn't want to go, he doesn't. But then he'll go end to end and score a spectacular goal. So the one I like to watch most is Malkin. That's beautiful. I, I didn't know that. Uh... Well, because of his beauty. Like Ovechkin, you could look at power. And even Ovechkin's stride is not the, the classical, like, Hull or Perot or Beliveau, that beautiful long stride. Ovechkin is is powerful but it's 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 quick it's it's you know it's it, it's not a dynamic to me, it's not a thing of beauty malkin is just like a swan he's just ballet he's just on skates he's beautiful um a yeah, senior, there's a grace to his game for sure yeah um no for sure uh you know who i think i, I was thinking about it again the other day and each time i watch the highlights because the those guys would have come in. I don't know if Malcolm would have come so high for me, but definitely top five. I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And maybe so. I, Crosby, I, I, I just, I, and I love McDavid. I just, I just hate that people put him number one without even, without question. No, I, when I, you didn't, got, I, I didn't put him number one. Yeah, I, I know. I would rank I'm him still... up there because on his skill alone, on his hands, like, well, I don't know if there's anyone better hands. Maybe Patrick Kane. Yeah, Patrick yeah I know Kane. he's close, close. He's quick, quick hands. Well, yeah. but they're, it, like, they're magicians. But like a Crosby in terms of all round, and the big thing I love Crosby for, the skill level is, of course, but is his absolute passion. He'll get in your face. He'll come back at you, and he'll, he'll get two-handed, and he's up. He doesn't take a dive, and his drive, I love his drive. I think, I don't see that, and may, well, maybe Ovechkin got a bit of it too, because he'll run over you. He'll do it in a different sense. He'll just literally hurt you by running over you. And uh, But I still I still love to look at Crosby too, now, yes. But you know who I think is a good mix of both? At least if you're going to say Malkin and Ovechkin. And no one thinks it, but I think this good guy, there's an argument that he's the best player in the league. And like three players just came to your mind, and he's not one of them. And it often happens to me. And each night, and last night was another night, I watched some highlights from a couple of days ago, and I said, you know what? Like, I don't know why more people don't say this, but this guy could be the best player in the whole league. Do you know who I'm going to say? Uh, no. Nathan McKinnon. 
Yes, yes. Like, he's you, you forget. to me in the last year. I like, didn't really he's pick got, up he's, on him until yeah. last year in the playoffs, and I said, wow. And now I've watched him two or three times this year. He's got the hands of McDavid and, and Kane. He's got what he's what he's got to do is win it. He hasn't won it. He hasn't gone to a final, and the physical attributes are undoubtedly there. First overall, the genealogy is there. He's learned a lot from Crosby, obviously, from the same part of Canada, same part of Nova Scotia. But he's got to win it. But he's not far away, I don't think, because that Colorado team is a thing of beauty also. Yeah, yeah, you're right, and I guess... but. I often wonder, so I, I believe, I could be off by a point or two, but I believe McDavid leads the NHL with 59 or 60 points, and McKinnon's within 10. You check that at Mike for a second. I, I'm guessing McKinnon's at 51. Now tell me what, what we're at, Mike. Uh, we're looking just points? Yeah, just uh, points. Points, McDavid has 59, McKinnon has 52. Okay. Now, now so, having, having said that, the one sec. Edmonton Oilers are a lot less as good a team as the Colorado Rockies, a Colorado Avalanche, in my opinion. They're, no. you know, outside of Dreisaitl and Nick David and maybe Nurse uh, but gives you a bit uh, from the, the back end. I don't know about anything else. And and, and the young Ben. Is it Ben who's having the, the resurgence? Uh, Neil. Neil, yeah. He's having, a, he's having a good resurgence, but, man, outside of that, i got to think who they have. Well, but this is the thing. This is what I'm thinking. So let's just say, so if McKinnon is only seven points behind, yes. but then one guy is pure, and again, I love McDavid. I hate making the argument against him so much, but everybody yes. puts him, no doubt, number one with a bullet. I'm like, wait, though. No, like, okay, I'm not, so I'm not what if at the end of the one like yeah. eat that easily, no. Well, what if he, at the end of the year... Don't forget McDavid has never won it either. Not only has he won it, I don't even know if he's been in a playoff. I don't, at least McKinnon's no, been, been in... in yeah. In a playoff, now it's not no, McDavid's yeah, McDavid fault. hasn't been in one. He no. has. Okay, McDavid, so McDavid's been in. McDavid's been in. Knock. McDavid's been in one, and they won the series. They got to the second round. Okay, McDavid's but you've got to consider he's number I, I'm one. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but what McDavid I'm saying, went though, number one, uh, 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 Crosby went number one. He had a cup within three or four years. Uh, but now I, uh, I know. But what I'm saying to you, what I'm saying is that if the year ends. And let's just say, like, they're seven points apart right now. So let's say at the end of the year they're ten points apart. Let's say McDavid gets 109 points. Yes. And McKinnon gets 99, and Colorado yeah. will go further. Yeah. Like, when, to me, McDavid is so great of a scorer. Yeah. But he needs to finish 30 points ahead of McKinnon for me to say he's a better player. No, well, like, no. He McKinnon can't finish better. seven. McKinnon undoubtedly is a better all-around player. That's I, what I, I think. No one... that. Maybe better offensive, pure offense. I think McDavid got yeah. him by the slightest of margins, but overall game, undoubtedly McKinnon got got. McDavid has no defensive game. No. And you know who's picking it up this year? And I don't think I've ever heard you talk about him. But he's got fifty points, and he took Buffalo. Eichel. Eichel. Yeah, I've noticed him, but I I, I find Eichel is uh, tends to be a little bit selfish. Maybe. And he's, so. and he's really showed me. I gotta say, now he went number two. And uh, that was begrudgingly to McDavid. If you look at the draft, Eichel thought for sure he was number one. And uh, but I find that 
if if the play is to make a pass to a guy who's open for a tip in, McDavid will shoot. You mean McDavid or, or Eichel? Tinge, uh, or, you I'm mean sorry, Eichel. Eichel? It shows me a tinge of selfishness. McDavid, nine times out of ten, will always make the right play. If the right play is I'm going in and I, I've got a 75% chance to score, but I'm two on one, and the guy is right at the side of the net who's got a 100% chance to score, I was always taught the guy with the higher percentage to score gets the biscuit because that's what the odds say I'm going to get a goal. I don't see Eichel as that kind of player. I don't see him. I see him more. Uh, he's more selfish, and he's got he's got the shot, and he's starting to come in his own now. This is third or fourth year. He was supposed to do it. He had a couple of seasons that were all right, but now he is hitting his own. But having said that, Buffalo in the last five years must have had of must have had Lake Pittsburgh like one of the top five picks overall. So. He's surrounded by talent. Dowling, I think, went one or two. Uh, you know, you've got a bunch of guys on that team, so they're sort of coming into their own, like like the, the, the old Edmonton Oilers did when they got Gretzky and Coffee. They they didn't win right away, and then they had then they got you know uh, Messier, and all of a sudden they're a powerhouse. But same way with Pittsburgh. Well, they get. They get Crosby, then they get Malkin, then they get Latang. Okay, all of a sudden, well, but if you look back under pedigree, they're all top five picks, so they're supposed to do it. But I go more more than the others I picked up on, but I I I think he's a bit selfish. Um, fair enough. Who's the best player you played against? Oh, I, uh, the best player ever I played against. I've said that was Perot. He's just Gilles Perot. For those who yeah, don't know, Hall he's, he's would be number two. Now, Bobby Hall. And I played against Hall because he was in our division in WHA, and we played him in the playoffs. They beat us four games to one. One game went to uh, went to uh, sudden death overtime, and in exhibition we played. So I must have played. Now there are teams in the NHL or or cities in the NHL that might only see Crosby once during the year because of the layout. But I, I must have played against Hull 20 times for sure, so I can rank him. Perot, only my first year junior, but it, it was only 10-team league, so I would have played against him uh, at least nine times. So, so that's enough to sort the of first figure thing, out. The first thing you then notice in a player and respect is the grace and the finesse. Yeah. Yes, the great right. every player that you talent. that I know that you like, yeah. you, like Lemieux, Malkin, Perot. The yeah. similarities there is that yeah, yes. they're all graceful. Yeah, they were, and even a guy like, and I only played against him in junior. But you, if you ask me, your top five skaters that you ever ever played against, and the WHA had some good skaters, man. It would have to be Perot. Hall, a guy no one ever thinks of. Rick McLeish was an absolute Picasso on skates. His stride was so beautiful. Played for Peterborough Peets with Ganey. Roger Nielsen was his coach. Johnny Garrett. They had a decent team. But Rick McLeish, and I'll tell you who else was a really beautiful skater, was Ricky Middleton. 
played for the Oshawa Generals. I know, Rick. And, I, um, and those were games. the ones that I noticed. Other guys, of course, ended up having great cricket. Bob Gainey. So, well, Gainey, but Gainey, uh, if you notice, I always, Gainey was a powerful He was a good skater, skater though. Yeah, that's all I mean. I, is I, I knew he wasn't as talented. a beautiful skater like Perot. Daryl Sittler was a, like, he could move, but he had a choppy stride. He played for London. I, I he, I mean, he got there. He was fast, but he wasn't in the in the same league to me as McLeish or Perot. He wasn't graceful. He wasn't, uh, you know. And Richard Martin could and Shot could wheel, but they were choppy strides. They were and they were fast. But I loved the grace and the <laughs> the ballerina like finesse and the natural talent that's who i naturally like would gravitate and and look look up to and say wow like the first time i see perot i've never been at a newfoundland in my life i happened to make hamilton at at 16 just turning 17 i'd never played outside of newfoundland and we go to montreal for him and it's perot martin la jeunesse Ian Turnbull, Paul Ambordolo, eight number one picks. The place is sold out. I don't know who this guy is. No helmets, no... And I remember this guy, number 11, taking the puck, going behind our net. Now, my first year, we didn't have much of a team. But we had Mike Weiser in the nets, who him and Johnny Garrett were the best. And he goes to our whole team, passes it across at Martin, Martin tips it in, not that Martin couldn't score, because he scored numerous on Visor. Him and Shot were the only one slap shots from the blue line that beat Visor glove side. That didn't happen, but they, they their shot was so good. And I didn't know who this guy was. All I was was, I, I couldn't believe what I saw, and the place was going bananas. Perrault, was you Perrault? And it was always the but raconté par Richard Martin, assisté par Jules Perrault, and the place is going bonkers. And I don't know who he is. So I remember going to the bench, and Eddie Gilbert, who was from Hamilton, who made the team, who played for the Kansas City Scouts about for about three years. I went 45, 44, Visor went 45, and Eddie went number 46 to Montreal. Visor went to Chicago. But I remember sitting on the bench, and he knew who this guy was because he'd go down as a kid in Hamilton and watch the Red Wings play the Junior Canadians all the time. I never, I was in Newfoundland. I didn't know. And I remember sitting on the bench, and Eddie saying to me, Newf, do you know who he, I took the puck on pro once in the corner. I fell down. I don't know. But I took it from him. He said, do you know who you just took the effing puck from? I said, no, and Eddie gets mad at me. So Eddie says, is this podcast? Can I swear? Because yeah. it adds a little bit can, to it. You, yeah, you he said, you don't fucking know who Jean Perot is. And I remember saying, no, <laughs> how could I? Then the next couple of weeks later, they got to come to Hamilton. And I'm a centerman, so I'm taking face-offs against this guy. Then the third time, you're going back to the forum. And by the ninth time, you're gone. Wow! Of course, that year, Perot goes number one, and there's a name that you never hear in hockey who went number two, 
who was an absolute superstar and who was also a beautiful skater, an unreal player. He was so good who? that he was really a centerman. And they moved him back, and he became an all-star defenseman. He was that good a Who? skater. He went number two to the to the Vancouver Canucks. You know one knows Dale Talon. Dale Talon, okay. Played played for the Toronto Marlboros. GM now Florida. He went number two. I don't. His numbers were good in the NHL, but they moved him back. He became a defenseman, and he was. Next to Perot, he was the best centerman. He was better than McLeish. He was better than Settler. Dale Callen. And the good thing I liked about him, too, not that I couldn't take roughness, you go in the corner. I don't think I ever, Perot ever threw a body check in the corner. Dale Talon the same way. He, he was always clean. Settler would give you the odd cheap shot. McLeish, totally clean, never threw a check. So skillful. They, that wasn't their game. I, Sittler, I, uh, I didn't admire as much because he cheap shot every now and then. Not that he couldn't fight, he could. But he had Dan Maloney on his left side. Go near Dan Maloney. He was in the category of Terry O'Reilly. No one touched Sittler regardless. He didn't have to do it, but he, he'd give you an elbow in the head in the corner. Someone like me, ah, come on, you know. Nah, don't take away from yourself. But he was a great player. He went eighth overall. No, um, McLeish went in front of him. I hear you. I hear went you. in front of him. Callum went in front of him anyway. Um, what's your take now on the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, they're going you to think have they a can good win it? year. They, uh, no. They're going to have a good year. They're too talented not to have it. But they don't have the muggers. They don't have... The, they'll go in the playoffs, and they'll, you know, an analyst is on. He said, okay, the word on the Toronto Maple Leafs is you just want them. And it's true. But Matthews hates to be hit. He's a big monster like Malkin. He's super gifted. You can throw him off his game, run him through the glass, run my murder through the glass. Nylander doesn't want to. I mean, he throws snow wherever he goes into the corner. I like Tavares as much as any of them. At least Tavares Tavares gives it both ways. He'll take the hit. Tavares is the, the, uh, uh, he's he's an anomaly on that team. Overall, they don't like to be hit. And and, and you know what, you know, to get to the Stanley Cup final, you're going through four rounds of hell. First round, okay. And all these teams... The next round, they're all good and they're all better. And I don't, I just don't see them. I don't um, see them. They don't have, they don't have the the guys willing, you know. There's a to win in the NHL when it gets deep. There's a spot in front of the net, you know. And Brad Richards, our, our buddy from Charlottetown, who won it with with the Tampa Bay Lightning, he told you. He said, if you went in front of the net, Chris Pronger would not hesitate to break your ankle. He wouldn't hesitate. He was at, he was known as the meanest. They don't have guys. You're going to get that. You go in front of the net with other uh, the stronger teams, the NHL, they're going to have one or two that are going to absolutely crucify you. They're not willing to pay the price. Fair enough. And who do you think? Uh, we'll wind it up soon. I uh, just want to ask you a couple more questions. First, who do you think is going to win? Who's your bet? 
I mean, I, it's, I know it's a crapshoot, but who's your bet okay. right now? Okay, if I was betting right now, uh, you gotta you gotta think of Boston because they do have guys that that will take that. They're scorers, but they'll they'll take that that mugging, you know. And Marshawn and and Bruce Ryan, what sort of I hesitate because they're getting older and Chara's getting older. But if I was just to, to, to say a team right now that I'd probably uh, throw all in on it would I gotta think because they're not that strong in the way I think right now the the east is stronger I, I, for once in a long time so uh, I'm thinking from the west I'm thinking Colorado and from the east until you beat them uh, yeah I'll, I'll go back on Fair it I'll say, I'll say probably the Bruins Good guess, or, I mean, how do I know? But, yeah, I mean, that's as good a guess as any. I, I love their th- team. I think, I think it's, it's a very good yeah, guess. Yeah, it's Mike's favorite fucking team, of course. <laughs> See, senior what's Terry, I want to give him my one story before we go. I always get a story in. We were talking about groups. You mean you always get a story in? Yeah, when we, when 13 we get, stories in before well, breakfast. When we, get, when we get to Hamilton, a lot of these rock groups came and played in the Hamilton Forum, of course, and I go to see every one. So to guess who were appearing, and to guess who then are really, really big. Like, you're talking, you know, hand-me-down world, uh, bus rider, uh, American Like, they're really, really big. They're one of the biggest in rock and roll. So they're setting up their gear in the Hamilton Forum. So they drive in their, their trucks to the side, the way they did it in the Hamilton Forum's on the side. So we got word to whatever you, it does do any of the, any of you saying that the Red Wings want to come down and help the guests who set up tonight? This how it was done in sixteen nine seventy. It's not like now. And you know, come down and had them set, help them set their gear up. And I remember going down myself and Bob Neely, who ended up playing five years for Toronto Maple Leafs. Myself and Bobby Neely, we helped set up their gear. And the guy who played. Uh, Donnie McDougal. Donnie McDougal was from uh, Nova Scotia. And I remember he gave us both $10 tips. Now, that was in 69, so that might be $30, $40, $50 today. I remember that in 10... Well, put it this way. I was making my first year Hamilton, uh, my, my room and board paid for, my university's paid for, $5. That was enough to get by, $1.50 transfer to get to McMaster during during the week. $5 my second year, $10 my third year, $20 for the week. They gave us $10. That was like two weeks for me playing for the Hamilton Red Wings. Good story. <laughs> yeah, well. And they were great. And they were so, great, of course. So. Um, That's a great story. $5. Now, you think of that. I don't know what they're making today. A $5 bill, you went in, you got it in a little brown packet, $10 my second, and $20 my third. The guys who didn't go to school, they, they'd get them a job, they'd make $60 a week. That's the max you could make. But if you went, and you do all, well, they were paying for all my university and schooling, and my books and all that, but you got five whole Dollars and believe it or not, I saved money on it. It would uh, to get to school. It would uh, you get a transfer and a and a, you get a week's supply of tickets, a dollar fifty. 
So I three fifty. I I didn't have to spend on food. We had our billets, and I was pretty parsimonious. I'd save up. Parsimonious. And, uh, Whoa. Yeah, good word, eh? Yeah. yeah. Six years of university will do it. But <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and and ten dollars and twenty dollars, man. My third year, I'd open my, I'd throw the money into the bottom drawer, and I had a drum foot, uh, uh, a a a thing, a thing full of money, a drawer full of money. Guys, that always hit me up. No, can you loan me ten bucks, Bob? Might be needy. It might be. I don't know. It could be keyhole. Can you give me loan me? And no, I'd always get it back. Whenever a guy's rip you off. But yeah, I was the guy to go to. I was, you know, I was a guy. I was a loner on the team. I never charged him any extra, and I didn't begrudge him. But I always had money. <laughs> of course Good you did. Good story. Good um, story. And last, you get, a, you get you get guys now to play junior. Wow, they wouldn't believe that. Well, 1969, I signed five dollars a week. Um, I, actually, they probably wouldn't believe that. Um, <laughs> it's true. Senior. Uh, favorite before we go, favorite or, or yeah, Christmas memory. What what comes to mind? Oh my, fa- my what do you, what for me growing up or playing hockey? Either. Uh, probably my favorite. She was. That's a real tough one. I know the my favorite. I can remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, it was near. I think it was near Christmas. I'm not totally sure, uh, but I'd never had a new pair of skates. Like like a lot of people, a lot of people growing up had their hand-me-downs. And I get Howard's, my older brother, three years older. And uh, but I never ever had a new pair of skates. And I remember going to Joe Burns. Joe was the uh, his brother used to own the Quebec Aces. Uh, General Manager Bellevue and Joe had a connection. That's how I got to Hamilton actually through Joe. But Joe came as an import and settling Grand Falls and opened his own sports shop. And I remember at the time, it was called a Centennial Scholarship, 1967. Uh, uh, 19, it was the 100th anniversary of Canada being a nation. And the top, uh, so many in Newfoundland average, went by average, the top, I think, 100 averages in Newfoundland got $100. Everything was tied into 100 And I remember getting my check in the mail, Centennial Scholarship, $100, and going up to Joe, so proud. And Joe was behind, you know, the, the, the counter. And I said, Joe, I want the best pair of Bauer skates because Bauer was it was either Bauer or CCM or CCM, uh, yeah, they were called the name on the CCMs were tax, the uh, tax forever, tax, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, tax. But I had Bauer, and the most expensive pair then I don't know I really don't know what they go for now was seventy dollars, and I gave it to Joe and Joe. Joe was so proud, and I got thirty dollars back, and. I never, ever, from then on, that was, I was grade 10. We went to grade 11 before I graduated. So I would have had, they would have done me two years, no problem, with a brand new pair of skates. And then after that, of course, when I went to Hamilton, you had form pitted. You had the guys coming in from the Bauer plant in Guelph pitting you out. So 
I never ever had to pay another pair for another pair of skates, but I remember that sticks out and it's such a joyous occasion and having my own pair of brand new Bowers, I'll never forget that. Now, that's a common theme throughout Canada, I'm sure, but I tell you, I'll never forget that. And I guess when I got to Hamilton, I didn't know what was going on. The Bauer representative comes in the room and he says, he comes over and he says, can you put your foot down? He, he's form fitting my foot to this, you know, taking my measurement. And I, I said, excuse me, sir. Oh, he said, we're getting your, we're getting the model for your skate. And I, oh, I couldn't believe it. Anyway, that's a good story. Again, but that nice was package. a and it was a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Yeah. In, well, listen. In terms, in terms of Christmas, I don't know. Maybe Dad, when Dad got me my, a brand new, my first brand new hockey stick, because I'd always a rink rat. I always got the senior hockey team. They'd break six off, throw them over the board. So you go like a lot of kids and tape them together and nail them together. And you had a brand new good, good Victoriaville. They had the market then or Northland, whatever. And then Dad bought me a, a member of brand new Victoriaville stick, and wow! Then, I mean, you <laughs> you took care of that like you like like every every kid in Canada, and it was well. Look, well, no, sorry. Go go ahead. Yeah, and uh, you know it's a wonderful f- Christmas in general. I love and Terry pour pour tous les écouteurs français maintenant. Now, if you know what I said, I said to all the French listeners out there, Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. I graduated with a French degree. I haven't used it in a while, so there you go. Well, look, that was a great episode. Stories were on point. You're getting certainly a lot better. There was a few questions asked. There was some banter. And uh, listen, just kidding though, we really appreciate it, Senior. We'll have you back on here. You're one guest that honestly can keep on. going. I love being on. Well, listen, we really appreciate it. Have a great Christmas. Of course, I'll see you during Christmas. And you <laughs> but will. That's, uh, and, uh, you know, on behalf of the hockey world, we appreciate it. And I mean that because uh, yes. I hear it every day. Okay, buddy, we'll be, see you later. Be ta- you'll be talking to a, re- to a reader or Ron or whatever and yes. say, wish them the same thing. I will. Okay. All right. Merry Christmas, Senior. See you, buddy. All right, Mike. Good enough. Cheers. Yeah, bye. St. Paul's my hometown. St. Paul's my team. Let's play hockey. Association has arrived. And facing off for the city of St. Paul, Mayor Larry Cohen. Here we are. Is it or isn't it? 
Hockey Town, USA, St. Paul, Minnesota. Lots of luck to the Fighting Saints on Friday the 13th. I've had a hell of a lousy day on budgets. Talking of our youngsters, uh, there's Terry Ryan, who uh, set a record in our league for uh, with six shorthanded goals and uh, just another example of a real good young player that makes our future look real great, we think. Okay, well, thanks, Terry Ryan Sr., and uh, thank you, Mike, for, uh, I guess, an hour of preamble beforehand. Uh, it was interesting, though. Sr.'s one of those. I didn't want to repeat any stories because a lot of people want to know, like, what happened to him from start to finish, but he's already done that now on our show and on Spit and Chicklets, and there's a lot of the same listeners, so I tried to ask him some questions outside the box. I really don't see, I don't see any reason why he's not probably going to come back on every few months on the both shows. He has a lot of insight, and uh, he's passionate, if nothing else, and I do appreciate that. I mean, you know, you, you take – I know there's genetics is one thing, but Dad always made me appreciate a good story, and uh, you can hear the passion in his voice. And to be honest with you, I never heard that, that final story, the final two stories. I didn't hear at all. I'm talking about the Christmas ones. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know, so you're always learning something else, I guess. Uh, let's see. Um, I got a couple of other things I was going to bring up, but m- maybe next time. Maybe next time. I think we've got a nice little package here for Christmas podcasts, especially when we didn't plan anything. Um, I appreciate all the listeners. Uh, we're here for you. My, I'm Terry Ryan 2020 on Instagram. Terry Ryan 20 on Twitter. Mike. Oh, I'm Hickey comma Mike on all this stuff, and of course, you can follow our other show uh, at Three of My Podcast everywhere. And we really appreciate it. Uh, happy Christmas to everybody, or Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever the hell you say, however you celebrate it. Uh, you know, have a good one. Happy holidays. And I'll try to pump one out uh, or two of both podcasts beforehand. But uh, if not, and this is it. Well, I want everybody to take care. Watch the drinking and driving. Have a great uh, have a great holiday. And uh, I want to say that I appreciate all the listenership. And uh, we enjoy doing it. And Merry Christmas. That's This has been Tales with TR. Thanks again. Mm-hmm.